from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up in this episode, are you missing your regular outings to a local club or hotel? Goodness Services Club is a landmark in Ipswich's eastern suburbs and has had more than its fair share of setbacks in the past decade. We'll hear from the President about the future. Later in this episode, I chat with another local business owner heavily impacted by the COVID-19 lockdown and what are the options for his business going forward. It's Thursday, May 14, 2020. And I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australians since 1999. Goodness Services Club is a well-known landmark overlooking Evan Marginson Park. In 2011, the site was devastated by the biggest flood since 1974. After a long haul, and with the support of the community, the club eventually reopened. Now it's a devastation of a vastly different type. How is Goodness Services Club coping under these difficult COVID-19 times? Earlier, I spoke with Russell Dewar, President of Goodness Services Club. I began by asking him how long he's been in the President's chair. I've been the president for the last five years. I've been on the board for nine years. Many can remember the images of that flooded building in 2011 and the clean-up after, and an image that sticks in my mind is the, the line of drowned poker machines lined up outside the building. How long did it take the club to get back on its feet after 2011? Uh, close to 18 months. So we, we had the floods in January, and the main club, we didn't get to reopen until July 2012. So the club was closed, no revenue for 18 months. And, and once, you reop- once you reopened, uh, how was the community support? Uh, amazing. Amazing. It was a, a, our members, um, you know, I, I suppose the only word I can use is amazing. It was awesome to see the amount of people that came in to support us after we reopened. Um, a lot of them went to other clubs and stuff that still came back to their, their home and they supported us as their community hub. It was awesome to see. And now it's like a double whammy with COVID-19. Did the board foresee such an event or have any plans to be closed by things such as a pandemic? No, never. We, we, we've done um, multiple you know, risk assessments and SWOT analysis on what could go wrong and what could affect us. And the a, a international pandemic definitely is, didn't even come on the list. And I'm sure you're not alone in that one, Russell. Uh, uh, what, what impact has it had on you personally and the staff? Um, but me personally, I was um, devastated for the staff because, uh, you know, a lot of them, they're, they're invested into the club. It's not just a job, it's a, it's a lifestyle for them. Um, and the, the income, and I know a lot of them live from week to week financially. Um, that's why when we have the opportunity to actually, when the government approved the JobKeeper, the board decided that we'd pay the staff straight away their entitlements as opposed to waiting for us receiving the money for the club. It left us a bit tight. But looking after the staff, they're our number one asset. So it's always, you know, 
the staff are always the first thing in our minds. Mm. They're our number one asset for the club. Well, it seems pretty clear that the JobKeeper payments, while not a perfect solution for every business and industry, has certainly been a help to many. Would you call it a lifesaver for goodness services? Personally, uh, I would say it's a lifesaver for our, our staff. I wouldn't say it's a lifesaver for the club. We don't know what's going to happen in the future when we reopen. You know, we're, um, we're, we're incurring debts as we're closed. Um, you know, the, what's going to happen in the future, we don't know. We're all, all I could say, and I could tell our members and everything, is that the board are working three times as hard as they ever had to do everything we can to ensure that when we reopen, it, it's going to be the best it can be. And the survival potential is going to be, I suppose, the best we can make it under the circumstances. Yes, indeed. Well, let's talk about that reopening in a second. But I just wanted to ask, you know, if there's going to be a uh, any silver lining in this disaster, in this COVID-19 situation, has there been any opportunity to do any upgrades or, or extra maintenance at the club? Well, it's funny you should ask that. We've actually just approved a... Um, a multi-million dollar uh, upgrade to the club um, in the in the last week. One of the many things we've been looking into it. We 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 were going through the processes of doing it and getting independent marketing assessment for prior to the closure. Um, and we, you know, it was on our plan to do, but now because of the we're closed, best time to do it. So we've had to make some quick decisions and do things in a hurry and. You know, so yeah, we, we we are doing a multi-million dollar upgrade to the club and to the facilities, and we're, we're having to put in extra things because of the new restrictions that we're going to have. Uh, one of the things we're seeing is we're going to have to have table service, so we're trying to put in the facilities that will best facilitate that without increasing a large amount of labour costs and also giving the best service we can to our members. Are you planning to have all that new infrastructure in place before you reopen or just keep yeah. going while you gradually reopen? Well, the, the, the gradual reopen is all going to be down to the government regulations. But the, the plan is we, we hope to have it all in place prior to um, opening. I notice on the state government's plan that uh, it's coming up for 10 people per venue. Obviously, that's not going to be viable for your club. Would you look at the next stage after that? We're, we're currently looking at stage three. Um, obviously, we're aware that if there are any peaks in our, um, our COVID rates within the state, that the, the plan will change, that um, well, the government would have to change the plan. But at the moment, we're looking at stage three, so which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that'd be 100 people per venue. Mm-hmm. But I know there, there are some um, industry groups that are out there trying to uh, get the government to adjust that because we some of us have large venues and we, we, we you know our rooms are put up so we could have three four hundred people in a venue at a time that you know we could go to two hundred people and still maintain our social distancing and you know all those regulations that are required. It's certainly a whole new world, Russell. Um, yeah. No doubt the board's been spending an extraordinary amount of time planning a reopening. Do you think you're ready? So how long's a piece of string of being ready? We we weren't ready for the close. We weren't ready for COVID. We weren't expecting it. Um, you know, but all I can say is, I, 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 we're not ready, but we're going to be as ready as we can, and we're doing everything in our power to be ready.
So we're not sitting on our hands and hoping for the best. We're, we're pretty well working our butt off to try and make it happen. Well, it's a vital part of Goodner in the eastern suburbs. I think it's important to spell out how the club has been supporting the local community over the years. Can you give some examples? Oh, definitely. We, we, um, one of the things I'm proud about the club is what we do in the community. It's one of the reasons I've got involved and I'm still involved. Is you know, just a simple thing. The um, we support 14 different schools in our area for their breakfast clubs. So the schools provide breakfast to the kids that turn up without having breakfast, so they can have a full day of learning with food in their bellies and you know, concentration in their heads. And we support 14 schools. We support uh, numerous amounts of um, ex-service organisations that help with their welfare. You know, um, ex-service people, one of the biggest problems is, is their um, mental health. And all these organisations help support people so that these, you know, the mental health issues don't turn into something much more dangerous, like suicide. They have a very high suicide rate. So we support them to prevent that. We also support um, organisations that help um, homeless people. And Yeah, the area would miss, would miss the club... Uh, dearly, if it uh, if it uh, didn't continue any longer, and, and one one event that's right on your doorstep, opposite there in Evan Marginson Park every year, although this year has been cancelled, is yep. the the Jacaranda Festival. Tell us about your personal involvement in the festival over the years. Well, I have to admit, the Jacaranda Festival when I first started was um, putting up tents for, for the original committee over twenty years ago. Someone's got to do and the hard work, it. Russell. Yeah, yeah, and it eventually ended up being the chairman after Doc White retired, and and I and I did that for many years. But the festival in itself is a, a major part of the community, I think, because uh, it, it it's not a money making venture for the community, but it gives many community groups opportunity to to make money for their community group, and the ones that like the performing on stages, it gives them the opportunity to have that stage performance and give you know kids who want to develop that performance side of their, it's an opportunity and organisations like the festival fail in the future, which is a potential that could happen and all those opportunities for those people just disappear. Yes, so I, I think it's a major part of the community that needs to be supported as well. Uh, it certainly is and, I, and I'll make a disclosure that I had some uh, direct involvement in the festival several years ago when you were doing all that hard work putting up those tents and it has a uh, a very broad-based, wide community appeal, and it's it's great to see that it's it keeps reinventing itself. Just unfortunate that this year there won't be one, but I'm sure next year, uh, to use a cliche, it'll be back bigger and better than ever. Well, he's crossing our fingers and our toes and hoping so. And the same for you, Russell, and uh, and the board members and all the supporters of Goodness Services Club. Thanks for taking time out to talk to Ipswich today. Thank you for asking us. Thanks, Alan. From large to small to one-person businesses, this pandemic has rarely left a business unaffected. Professional photography, by its nature, is sometimes a very personal business, requiring the subject to be close to the photographer. It appears this industry has been missed in any guidelines from the government. Independent operators have had to think what is permitted under the broader guidelines of social distancing and how many people can gather in the one place. 
I asked Ipswich-based photographer Clive Fox about the specific issues and what he thought wasn't being addressed in the COVID-19 business reopening plans. That's a good question, Alan. There's quite a number. So uh, as a business, we, um, we're we working with corporate uh, businesses, um, families, photo shoots. So we do a lot of work in studio and obviously events. So uh, all of those particular genres of photography have their own issues. Uh, clearly, um, when, when this uh, broke and we started working under restrictions, the um we, we lost but within three days of that happening i think by the wednesday we had lost all of our event work right up until the new year all of which was booked um weddings were lost as well as well as family photo shoots so uh we've had to try and think of how we can overcome that so take for example um corporate headshots which we'd either do in the studio here or we would go to the business's location and shoot there. Uh, the social distancing issue is not too, too much of an issue there, but trying to work and understand and make sure that people are also um, working to the restrictions is an issue that we have as well, because we don't know who these people are. Um, so we, we found that... Um, I guess also photography by its very nature is quite a personal um, industry. You get fairly close to people, try and help them with their posing, etc. cetera. Um, so um, making all that happen from, you know, a distance um, just becomes you know, quite extremely difficult. So for your particular photography business, what are the top three client categories that uh, you would normally be seeing? Cor- corporate work, of course. So um, headshots. Uh, which will be either in studio or at the location, family photography, uh, which is another issue. The other day we had an issue um, uh, with a a business that booked me. It was my first shoot uh, for the last seven weeks. It was just two days ago. And I went to their home um, and found that there were um, four people in the home. So I had to question them as to... uh, are they all living in the house or have they come from an external? So as a mother and father and their two teenage sons. And as it happens, uh, they were all living in the home. So I actually only shot them in the garden because I, I again, didn't want to go into the home. Um, and once again, with family photography, you have fun, uh, you know, you're, and you get close to the people. And it was a little bit of a learning curve for me as well, because they kept on asking um, to have a look at the photographs. So typically you would walk over with your camera and you would turn it around digital um, and then obviously that would have a look at the imaging. By doing that, you're getting with in, well inside um, the 1.5 metre uh, social distancing. So that became an issue. So I had to tell them, no, you can't look at the images that we're taking. Um, so I set up um, a remote screen on a laptop for them so they could walk a you know, walk around to the laptop. So I was firing, tethering to a laptop to allow them to see. So that was something you would not normally do in a in a family photo shoot. That would be something you do in a studio. 
it, it must make you feel terribly uncomfortable to have to refuse what would normally be an everyday easy request. Can you have a look at the photos on the back of the camera? So you, to me, you, are, you, you sound like you're observing all the right restrictions, but it's making your life incredibly tough at the moment. Well, it is. It's not, it's not how we interact socially as a norm, Alan. It's, you know, it's something, you know, we, uh, again, you know, it's a very personal thing that we do. Um, for instance, this lady wanted me to shoot her cat with her. And, uh, you know, when, when, you, uh, when you're shooting animals, which we do as part of family photo shoots, typically you'll, you'll have to get the animal to look at you. You'll have someone you know, over your shoulder, you know, dangling a piece of food or something in front of the lens so that you can get the animal to interact and look straight into the lens. No. So, yeah, the, the shooting of this little cat was, uh, took about 20 minutes um, to get the thing to, you know, get the animal to look at the camera. So it was all, all those little issues that um, I wouldn't, you know, eight weeks ago, I'd never have even considered. Now, in a prior conversation with me, Clive, you mentioned that in all the guidelines under COVID, there's nothing specific for photographers. Is that correct? That's that's correct, and, and I've looked. Um, I've even spoken to the uh, the federal government, the hotline, and the local council, um, and yeah, they've all just said you just need really to practice um, social distancing. Uh, so, w which is fine, and I think we can all do that. We're all adults, and we can work out how to work and work safely, um, but. For some inane reason, the, uh, they, the photography world um, seems to be forgotten with, with guidelines of what we can and what we can't do. So basically now what I'm doing is um, our studio is closed. Uh, we're, we're not accepting any work in the studio whatsoever because then I have to set up a whole new set of protocols for people to visit the studio with, with disinfecting equipment, uh, keeping a log of people that come here, which we have to do, which everybody has to do um, with this type of service. But uh, uh, so we're shooting outside as long as 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 long as the families uh, that we're shooting, if it is a family photo shoot, are allowed to be together. Because that's another issue. If they're not, you can't put them into a group. You can only put them into a group if they're all living in the same household. And that's the guidelines as of this week. Uh, has there been any news that that's going to ease up in the coming weeks? It, it, well, the, the numbers will increase as we move forward that, of, of the number of people that can get together. But if you read all the documentation, it, overriding all of that, it says we still have to maintain the 1.5 metre social distancing. So to go to a to go to a wedding, there might be 20 people or 100 people. Uh, I think in the three months they're looking, it's going to be 100 people for a wedding. Um, all of those people still have to maintain social distancing. I'm not sure how ever that's going to be policed. but um, So theoretically, you couldn't get a typical wedding group shot of 100 people because... <laughs> you, you know, because yes, if they're all 1.5 metres apart, that's a very wide-angle lens you'd require. That's right, yeah. And so mm. it'd be, uh, yeah, you'd be looking at 100 metres. Um, so, yeah, so, so from a point of view of um, uh, practicalities, 
it makes it very, very difficult to continue to work in all our, in all our genres of photography. So, Clive, since the lockdowns began, I would imagine you've had uh, many cancellations. So you're, you, at what capacity are you working at the moment compared to normal? For the last six weeks, um, zero capacity. So we, we, we literally lost everything um, that was booked and pre-booked, uh, which we normally do. So all of the, obviously, as you well know, the music festivals, CMC, uh, other festivals down on the Gold Coast, all of our normal um, event uh, work that we do for a number of corporations. So all of that, all of that just disappeared within those first three days. Uh, I did have some work off of a previous wedding we've shot. So I'm working on an album for, for that, that client. So that's given me, given me some work. Uh, but it's starting to open up a little bit now. But I think, as I said earlier, that we have to be careful and I have to quiz uh, the clients and to find out, you know, can we do this job or can't we do this job? They're questions that you typically wouldn't ask when you get someone to book you for a service. You wouldn't say, well, you know, let's look at the legality of can I actually do this? So it's, each job is, is, is also different. So all of those questions, um, I've had a, a couple of people book me and get quite annoyed, actually, that we, we're refusing to do the work. Uh, so um, the, the, all, all of those, I guess, typical social issues that would not never occur um, are making us think about how we conduct their business. I'm getting people wanting baby photographs done. I mean, I, I, that's something else. I, I can't imagine a mother wanting to to do that at this time. So I, I find some of those requests, um, from a personal point of view, um, quite strange. Well, that is a concern, Clive. And we're seeing instances of people abandoning social distancing because the restrictions have been eased ever so slightly. But you as a business person acting responsibly, how do you see your business going forward as the restrictions go to the next level of easing? I think I have to work smarter, Helen. Um, find ways of uh, um, working with clients, uh, probably quizzing them a little bit more and making them aware of, um, you know, really how this social distancing works and how we as photographers can actually conduct photo shoots in accordance with what our clients want, but also to do it safely. So that they still get their, you know, their, their heirloom photos of their families, and, and to be honest, the, in this last week or so, I'm getting emails, uh, you know, eight or nine emails a day and requests for work. And it, it may be that the COVID nineteen situation has sparked that interest in um, let's get some photographs now because we may not be able to in the future if something happens. And so it, it's. Um, but I think there's a bit of that and also uh, that people just, I think, need educating um, as to what and how difficult their job is to, you know, it's not just a matter of going out and photographing a family. Um, you know, I'm also considering saying to people, look, if you, if you haven't got the COVID-19 app on your phone, then I'm really not interested in photographing you. Because I think by downloading that, you show some social responsibility. 
regardless of conspiracy theories or whatever people want to think about mm. the COVID-19 app and tracking, I, I think that if someone downloads that, they are quite socially responsible. I believe that's a big step and I would like them to be my client. Yes, well, that's that would be a, uh, a fantastic prerequisite for a business like yours. It seems as though the, uh, the app is getting much wider acceptance. There'll always be the uh, conspiracy theorists. But what do we do in a time like this? You know, we, we just can't sit and do nothing. No, I mean, I, I've, I've got to work and I've got to make money. Um, so it's just really a matter of letting people know that we are, you know, we are in business. We can conduct photo shoots and we, you know, we can do all the normal things, but we just have to work within these social guidelines. Now we're in a position where we just have to hunger down and work our way through it as a business. I, I know that we will come out the other end. Um, you know, it's not, it's not going to kill our business, but uh, we just have to do it responsibly. Clive Fox, thank you for that interesting insight into a profession that appears to have been overlooked in the uh, COVID-19 uh, restrictions and the how-to guide. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you, Alan. Just briefly, in a small sign that things might eventually get back to some form of normality, Ipswich City Council has announced the reopening of libraries from Saturday, May 16th. Limits of 10 customers in each library at one time with social distancing will apply. However, popular services like access to internet PCs, meeting rooms and makerspace remain closed for now. Visit Ipswich Library's webpage for the latest information. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australians since 1999. If you know someone who may be interested in subscribing to Ipswich Today, please share with your favourite podcasting app or play Ipswich Today from your Google smart speaker. I'm also welcoming suggestions for future interviews and topics. Just go to the Ipswich Today Facebook page and leave a message. Music is from Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.